Assalamu alaikum. Today, Omar and I join HT. Hamza, Hamza Georges. Mashallah. Assalamu alaikum. How are you? Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Omar, you can do a little. Wireless. Bluetooth. Bluetooth. How's it going, Omar? I mean, Hamza. It's good. Alhamdulillah. What are you doing with your life? You're head of Aira now, aren't you? I wouldn't call myself the head. Oh, I am the, the CEO. Big boss the CEO. CEO. The chief CEO. entertainment officer. Mashallah. So, what does that make the CFO? <laughs> chief fun officer. Oh, yeah. okay. We don't have one. Okay. If you'd like to apply, <laughs> well, I think you should apply, bro. <laughs> Especially what we've been doing for the past 15, 14 minutes. No, this is uh, this is uh, Islam Twenty C is uh, unscripted podcast uh, with your host Omar Suleiman and Salman Bhatt and Doctor Salman. We Bhatt. are yes, thank you, bro. I, w- I would give a thousand pounds to Islam Twenty One C if you repeat one of the jokes that you said earlier, <laughs> a specific one. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. This reminds me of Jimmy Swagger. Let me tell you. Let me tell you which one. <laughs> it's the one about. <laughs> Are <laughs> you sure? Because I will do it. <laughs> you won't. You won't. If yeah. you do, then I'll fundraise a thousand pounds. Okay. Let me, let me think about that. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> We're just warming up the mics, and um, Hamza was telling us about how he uh, was learning Mandarin, and you yeah. said some naughty words in Mandarin. I really. didn't say naughty words. In Mandarin. It sounded naughty to us. Sounded very naughty. Yeah. I was saying how handsome Omar is. And Omar was talking about how he met. Omar, I uh, met Hamza yeah. before he became Muslim. SubhanAllah. And he didn't, uh, he remembered. Yeah, I remembered. Yeah. Randomly, I spoke in a mobile phone shop in Oxford Street and you came in. We were talking, I said, like, like engaging with people. I want to buy the latest 3210. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was. Change my face. Like, <laughs> no. And then it came up in conversation that you were studying Mandarin. And I thought, Alhamdulillah. I was just, I just like engaging you with people. You were just trying to get a sale, weren't you? Yeah, oh, I think he was doing, yeah. trying to do some reverse style. He's still on that contract, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember that contract. No, obviously good. you wouldn't. But I remember. Alhamdulillah, it was good. Yeah, still on one on one, one yeah. to one. Remember that. So it was nice to you, right? You were alhamdulillah. Good. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. You know, it was good. It was, it was. I find if you're in a sales environment, it's really good for that one. We'll probably come onto this anyway. Speaking mm. to people, um, you know, you have to be quite confident and relaxed and try and get information from them at the same Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Sales you pitch, know? isn't it? Sales yeah. pitch. Give them dawah. Yeah, things like you learn how to mimic someone's body language and mirror it. It's weird, like, you know, don't, you, you'll do it naturally, <laughs> actually, uh, when you're speaking to someone. And if you can mirror them, right, yeah. then uh, you can also help persuade them. Finish their sentences. Exactly, for them. yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> I think one of the most important things in the Dawah is physical and emotional intelligence, which I think we lack a bit. What's physical intelligence? Well, just Heard your, body, of your, intelligence. your body language. So how you interact with people Like sometimes if you want to be assertive You're like like that right But if you want to be a little bit more warmer You'll embrace like half a hug right? It's a little yeah. bit more softer mm. ah. So that's very important And when you're talking to people Don't scroll on your phone And mm. hardly look at them This is an aspect of the son of the Prophet yeah. Make someone feel that they are the most important thing mm. right? And that's extremely important We, we miss that a lot I think yeah. So how about you say that Everyone thought they were the best friend <coughs> of the Prophet Exactly. Well, it's not just that. Yeah. When they used to look at the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, even from afar, mm-hmm. they wanted to go close to him. Such mm-hmm. was his presence. And mm-hmm. you only develop that if you're connected, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. So. so this actually brings me to a question I was going to ask you, since you're talking about dawah. 
what has more of a role to play, the message or the messenger, in context of da'wah today? You know what? Oh, that's a hard one. At the present time, I'm, well, where I am now, I think the way I would answer that question is, it really depends. Because the kind of metaphysic or the epistemology, you could see it both ways really, that I'm adopting at the moment is one of the fitrah. Meaning no. that we already have the truth within us, so we have this innate disposition, and you know, as per the hadith in Sahih Muslim and other, uh, other traditions and yeah. the statements of the ulama. So we have a fitrah, something that is created by Allah is within us, and it has a form of knowledge, like primary knowledge or proto knowledge. Call it whatever mm-hmm. you want. And there are two key aspects of knowledge here: one, that Allah is a reality and that He's worthy of extensive praise, or He's worthy of worship. Yep. Now, as per the hadith in Sahih Muslim, what happens is is that the fitrah becomes corrupted, or I like to call it, it becomes clouded. Yeah. Mm. So what happens covered. here is, yeah, or covered or clouded. So we want to uncloud the fitrah to awaken the truth within. That's the role of the du'at. So the question is now, are abstract rational arguments or abstract um, you know, arguments the only way to uncloud the fitrah no it's just a means it's a means to the ends what's the ends to awaken the truth within mm. but there are so many other ways to uncloud the fitrah such as basic emotional intelligence huh. maybe buying someone a pizza maybe being really really nice maybe adopting the characteristics of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and we see this in our tradition it's not just a rational tradition using sound rational arguments but rather it could be using emotional intelligence it could be using it could it could be getting people to think and reflect yeah. You know, that's a neglected yeah. practice in the Tao. You, you know, we have this kind of ego that we have to answer all the questions. SubhanAllah, even Allah doesn't answer all the questions. So who the hell are you? Yeah. So we have to learn to plant seeds. We have to learn to help people uncloud the fitrah to awaken the truth within. And that could be done in many ways. Rational argument, giving revelation, yeah. getting people to think and ponder, getting them to reflect on the negative spiritual and positive experiences in their lives Just being a decent person And you know, we know many traditions You know, the Prophet was a person of hilm You know, Allah is al-halim mm. He is the forbearing And the Prophet was, was, was forbearing from a human point of view mm. And we know the famous hadith Where the Jewish man came up to him and pulled him by the neck And the way the Prophet responded Was mm. one of forbearance mm. And the Jewish man at the time He saw two signs of prophethood in the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, so he was looking for the final one, which was forbearance, which echoes the ayah in the Quran in chapter forty-one, verse thirty-four, when Allah says, "Good and evil are not the same. Mm-hmm. Repel by that which is better." And if there was hatred between two people, it would turn to intimate friendship. Interestingly, the word "repel" here is not followed by a direct object. It doesn't say evil. So the ulama say, "Repel mm-hmm. anything by that which is better." What does "better" mean? Yeah. Generally speaking, as a foundation, "better" means re- repel things with more with what is more virtuous and what is more beautiful. So Muslims should mm-hmm. become people of virtue and people of beauty. And it's I think yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know what it is? This ayah comes after the ayah about da'wah when Allah says in oh. verse thirty-three, "And who is better in speech than the one who calls to Allah, does righteous deeds, and then sends them on the Muslims?" So this is a holistic strategy for mm. the da'wah. You have calling to Allah, the one who calls to Allah, does the righteousness. You don't just talk Himself. the talk, but you walk mm. the walk, and then you connect your righteousness with, "I'm a Muslim." This is submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? I'm not doing it for you. I'm not doing it for fame. I'm not doing it for my ego. I'm doing it for the pleasure 
of the one that created me, right? So mm. this is extremely important. So answering your question in a very long way, it all depends. And we have to be mature, intellectually and spiritually mature to realize. Like one size fits all. Exactly. Like, look, you're a doctor. Depends right? you're what an academic. the disease of the person is. But you can only tell through experience, mm. in my view, right? You can only tell through experience. Obviously, we have the tradition to empower us, but generally speaking, when it's a one to one discussion or interaction, and it's yeah. through experience. So, for example, I had someone come up to me after university lecture, and I'm paraphrasing because it was a while <coughs> ago. He did quantum physics. He was a came from Pakistan, but he he became an atheist, and he came to refute me. Right? He said your argument for God's existence doesn't make sense because causality doesn't make sense out of the universe. Now, obviously, he had a metaphysical presupposition that causality mm. is empirical, but yeah. rather it could be a priori, it could be a metaphysical concept, and that requires definition too. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I said to him, what do you mean by causality? Because in philosophy, in Western philosophy, they, it's, it's a mess. I don't think they've ironed it out yet, right? There's still a debate about what is a, the causal link, right? Yeah. To cut a long story short, he couldn't answer the question. I said to him, isn't it very interesting that a key word you're using in a sentence to refute God's existence, you don't even know the meaning. And I was like, what's up, bruv? You mean so, English? No, he was very <laughs> articulate. So we sat down yeah. and I found out that, from what I remember, his major issue was he didn't connect with Allah. He didn't know how to connect with Allah. His parents were secular. When he prayed, I believe, he didn't have a connection. So for him, it wasn't really an intellectual exercise. That was just like, you know, yeah, but when you scratch the surface And that's why my advice to a lot of the du'a People who want to engage in da'wah To learn from my experiences I've done many mistakes And to realize what the human being is Because when you call to Allah You have to know who Allah is So you have yeah. to affirm his oneness The fact that he's worthy of worship That we direct all acts of worship to him alone That he's worthy of our utmost love And gratitude and all of these things But at the same time We want to call people to that What we do, we jump something we basically say, right, this is how you do da'wah now. That's a fundamental mistake. Mm. You have to first find out who are you speaking to? What is the human in Islam? Because some people adopt the subconscious assumption that the human being is this kind of functional robot. You type yeah. in an algorithm and he has to have the truth, right? And yeah, you see this course, in many yeah, yeah. debates online. Don't you get it? I refuted you, right? And, and they've lost the plot But the human being in Islam He is a a, a, ruh, a soul He is a qalb yeah. a, He is an aql And the aql is a function of the qalb yeah. He is a fitra He is the nafs And all of these things in Islamic psychology They're at interplay So the th and when you zoom into the fitra And also obviously yeah. the human being is also the fitra If when you zoom into that We need to uncloud this Do you think some kind of abstract rational argument Is going to deal with that? Like, you know, sometimes atheists say the design argument's so rubbish because there could still be a chance that God doesn't exist. I'm like, yeah. hold on a second, my friend. I'm not going to go in there and start discussing different, you know, models of probability, epistemic probability or mathematical probability. Don't get me wrong, we have answers. But you don't have to give those answers because that's not going to be sufficient. Uh, or, or sometimes the, the given the answer might reinforce exactly, the, the exactly. Disease that's why we have to be more intellectual, spiritually mature. So when in that case, what I would say to that person is, hold on a second, my friend. Why is it for everything in your life, your epistemic bar, meaning your bar mm. for knowledge, is here? So for marriage, for business, for contracts, for education, for everything you do, your epistemic bar, your bar of knowledge is here. Yeah. But when it comes to Allah, when it comes to God, and only for Allah is all the way here. Why? That shows, that yeah. difference shows there's something going on here. Yeah. Right? I would and say, we, I would ask him, yeah. 
Okay, imagine if Allah existed and you agreed Allah existed, would you worship him? Yeah, that's that's a fundamental would question you, that we should ask you, as well. Would you subs, and, you know become and you know what, you know some Muslims say to me, "Oh, Hamza, you're wrong because Allah says bayyina and he says burhan." I was mm. like, "Hold on a second. Let's not secularize these terms. Mm. Don't bring to the Quran, let the Quran bring to you." So when we look at bayyina and burhan for example as as terms in the Quran, yeah. they refer to revelation, proof in mm. revelation or the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Don't get me wrong. Allah does mention. You mean evidence and proof, just for some. Yeah. So Burhan and 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 then yeah. Bayina is evidence, evidence and proof. So these are in context of revelation, not your abstract mm. so-called yeah, very, very rational thinking. And I'm saying this. I've, I'm on my third yeah. postgrad in philosophy, right? Mm. I'm not saying this just to blow my trumpet. I'm saying it to give it a context. I've gone on this journey. Yeah. And what's interesting when I started doing my postgraduate studies in philosophy, it was a massive iman boost. Mm. Massive iman boost Because Well the criteria is If you're going to study Western philosophy In my view You have to have a basic Understanding of your creed yep. mm. You have to have Connection with scholars And there are some other Criteria put into place I wouldn't say everyone Should just jump yeah. into there Because it could be A level philosophy yeah, Sorry like, Well if like Some kids A lot of people ask Should my kids do A level philosophy well, I wouldn't say yes or no. I'll give them some concepts and criteria to follow. Mm. So, I mean, for, for, for the purposes of the podcast, what I would say is that number one, the child has to have a connection with Allah. They pray. And maybe not only mm. pray, but maybe they do the dhikr in the morning and the evening, this massive yeah. protection. Um, they have connection with, the, the, with scholars, mainstream scholars. Yeah. Um, the other one was that they're not doing it uh, to... They're doing it for a good reason mm-hmm. That they want to use it for the da'wah Or to promote Islam Or to understand You know Other ideologies To have a kind of Compassionate intellectual I mean, uh, The key is to recognize mm-hmm. That we look at the human being And his makeup Differently to um, Not just the, the western tradition But even intra-Islamic Kind of I remember um, uh, Sheikh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah He was criticizing Some of the Mutakallimin uh, by saying uh, uh, They were given really Like a strong intelligence In, mm-hmm. the, in the very uh, kind of uh, Kind of restricted sense But they weren't given zakaan. They weren't given uh, You know uh, Purification of their soul yep. That's why many of them They had to kind of supplement A lot of their, their lives And their dawah with Kind of more the kind of mystical practice and stuff because they recognized there was such a uh, an emptiness. And when you're looking at um, issues of aqidah and creed, when you make it a very bland yes. kind of academic uh, um, discourse. Uh, discourse. Well, yeah. a scholar for me that we could learn from his life, not only from his teachings, is the 11th century theologian and polymath Al Ghazali, right? Mm. His life is just an ayah, honestly. Honestly. And this is this was his, one of his biggest contributions to bridge those two uh, gaps. Absolutely. For example, uh, he wrote the Tahafat al-Falasifa, the incoherence mm. of the philosophers, and he went on his spiritual journey. And what was he saying towards the end in his works? He was saying, look, don't think Iman, your connection with Allah. Because right? what is Iman? Iman is not just an abstract mm. belief. Islam is not just a belief. Mm. Whoever says that is just like, whoa, you don't know what Islam is. Because beliefs could be mundane propositions like this is a microphone. Are you saying Islam is equivalent to saying this is a microphone? Of course not. That's absurd. Islam transcends that. It's a belief, but it's also a form of knowing that transforms what's in your heart, mm. what you say, and how you act, how you interact yeah. with yourself, with creation, with, and how you relate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Iman, right? 
the definition. So it's a yeah. it's a state of being, becoming in the world, right? Yeah. This is what so the kind of mainstream Islam settled upon as a definition of iman. It's yeah, but that's the whole the point. Heart, that's the whole action point. of the limb and statement. But the, of the, 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 the necessitate some sort. But the reason response. I'm mentioning this is because Al Ghazali was basically yeah. saying, don't think that you're going to be convinced from some abstract rational proof with careful worded premises and a conclusion. Mm. He said, if someone's smarter than you, he could play around with his premises. And sometimes when I see people doing what I did, like maybe a few years ago, I'm like, oh no, that's the wrong way. Because, yeah. you know, when you go more advanced into your studies in philosophy, especially when you become a research student, we get taught on how to look at deductive arguments, which seem very amazing and the conclusion necessarily follows. We're taught to actually break it down. We're taught to just, right, if I tweak the premise here, or I basically give a different understanding of mm. the justification for that premise and I move things around and maybe some of the assumptions or presuppositions that they haven't really you know, brought into the paper but I know they exist, I could basically turn the argument around. Right? Yeah, okay. so I, so, I, I always say to people, just because something makes sense doesn't make it true. That's, a, <laughs> that's, quite that's a very important that's kind of quite fact of life, yeah. right? Well, just like in, you can make anything. Well, in make the sense. philosophy of science, when we studied the philosophy of science, just because something works, it doesn't yeah. mean it's true. Yeah, because we've seen many things working and they're not true. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, I the mean, point interestingly, is, yeah. you know, the Prophet uh, is kind of linking to how you shouldn't just jump to answer every question because sometimes, even as parents. If you're, as your kids are getting older, they start to ask more and more complicated questions. You might think, oh, let me just answer this question, let me just answer that question. But, uh, and even Dawa. But sometimes asking, uh, answering that question might make, make, uh, make things worse. So yeah. the Prophet ﷺ, for example, when he said, Shaitan will come to the son of Adam and he'll uh, make him reflect uh, along the paraphrasing, you know, who, wh who created this, who created until, that. Until and then until. he asks, who created Allah? Mm -mm. Right? And then it's very interesting that the Prophet ﷺ, he didn't give an answer to that shubha, that specious argument. Even though it's very easy, yeah, of course, theoretically yeah. you can give a very simple answer. But it's important that the Prophet ﷺ, in spite of there being an easy answer, he gave a different answer. And he said that person should say, A'udhu Billahi Shaitan Rajeem. He should say, Amantu Billah. Yes. And he, I have Iman in Allah and be steadfast in that. Alright? And that's very interesting because we know that if the Prophet ﷺ gave that answer, there must be something in there of course. that affects the, the human being more powerfully <coughs> than simply giving and him And what's or interesting, the, the ulama gave rational answers too. Yeah. yeah. So they talked about the infinite regus of causes and all of that stuff and the absurdity yeah. of it. However, this relates also to the Qur'an. Mm. So when Allah talks about what some of the Arabs would say or what some people would say as refutations of yeah. Islam, Allah sometimes doesn't give a rational answer. He says they have exceeded all bounds. <laughs> they have desires. They have kibr, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes Allah gives a rational answer, right? But the point here is it shows that we must have a more dynamic understanding mm -hmm. of the dawah and of the human being. So why do we focus on abstract rational arguments? My belief yeah. is, is because some of us were not even really convinced. So, because that's yeah. an attitude of someone who has, you know, maybe... Uh, their ego, a useful ego, maybe. I had that for sure. Mm. I'm the mm. look, man. The because if you, you just look at my old YouTube clips, you're like, who the hell is this guy? I look at myself thinking, oh you my days. I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think Say I later. think we should learn from people's experiences. And because very, it's very um, yeah. kind of uh, attractive to answer a question that you know the answer to. You know what? Yeah. I want to see the day. I want to see the. I want to see the day when the du'at 
Sometimes they know a really good answer yeah. But because they've assessed that person And all the indications are that the answer won't help Something else won't help yeah. I want them to not give the answer And change strategy for the sake of Allah It will be so powerful yeah. you know? And I really get annoyed sometimes when Not just in dawah In like the, 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 the strict sense But in, in political issues, social issues, community oh, here issues Here we go, here we uh, go I knew you, know, you put this Sometimes <laughs> when Muslims answer questions yeah. They make things worse Right. So this was we exactly have to my question yeah. I was going to say Is dawah for everyone? From your experience mm. Knowing that Islam is something beautiful That we want to share And the importance of doing it Is it for everyone? And it comes to this everyone point Everyone who does an IRA training course <laughs> Well what I'm saying now Is basically a summary of the IRA training course yeah. So we've changed it a lot we've, We're really focused on what the human being is How do you awaken the fitra How do you awaken the truth within Is hopefully become more intellectual Spiritually mm. mature to answer your question, it's different levels, and it depends. On, it depends what you mean by dawah. Like you know, yeah. it, every good, every Muslim should be a good Muslim, and by virtue of that, they're basically showing how good Islam is, and that's dawah. You know, as you know, the famous hadith of the Prophet sallallahu convey from me, even if it's one verse. The condition, the condition is that you know the verse, yes. right? But dawah means to invite, though, right? I mean, simply being a good person. Well, linguistically means to invite. It means to call yeah. to Allah the fact that He is worthy of worship. Because the danger is. But we have. I think we have no choice in mm. the West. I, literally, we don't have a choice. Yeah. You know, this is our country. My personal view is that if you don't believe this is your home, this is not. These people are not your qawm, ya qawmi, no. then you should not be here. I don't mean that in a in a right wing way. <laughs> uh, but I'm being serious because. But, but it is a right wing thing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, if the hat Let's fits, wear it, right? Islamic, Muslim yeah. Islamic yeah. The, the point I'm trying to say is the, the, the NBA, they would consider the people with concern and with compassion. Yeah, mm. qawmi, oh my people. Even Lut alayhi salam practically offered his daughters to the people of Lut. We don't mm -hmm. study this. L study the psychology behind these things, right? Because it was concern. They wanted to free people from the fire and to basically show them this is the eternal bliss that awaits for you if you connect with your Rabb. Don't... Don't destruct yourself. Self-destruction, isn't it? You close the door to Allah's mercy and guidance. You just uh, shut yeah. it. And then you throw yourself in the fire. And Allah does no injustice on anyone. Right? You know, Allah says, don't blame me, blame your own hands kind of thing. So it's very important that we become concerned like that. You know? Like, but not every prophet was sent to his qawm though. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But these are general prophets, principles. Uh, these are general principles. Which prophet? Little... Um, uh, Quran trivia Which prophet is quoted as As the only one quoted as Quite conspicuously not saying Ya Qawmi To his people I think Any? it's um, I think is it Ilyas alayhi salam It's Isa alayhi salam Because Because he didn't have a father This is what they say as a interesting, reflection Interesting interesting. It wasn't part of the Qawm because uh, the lineage is with the father. So my guess was bad, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It might be true. I phrased the question in a deductive way. <laughs> what do you think the prophet came for the whole of mankind? Wouldn't that be another answer? Yeah. I mean, the qawm argument is an interesting one, right? But um, well, I wouldn't call it an argument. I'll call it an ethic. But it? this yeah. comes back to that point, though. If you if you consider them your qawm or you don't consider them your qawm. Oh, this, this is very important No, no, what I'm saying is because for the person Because this is your psychology How you're talking to people right? Yeah, so, so it's it's The, the fact of the matter is Some people They will they, there's, there's good arguments to um, Link Qawmness To some kind of uh, Ethnic uh, Or tribal Connection Right <coughs> uh, And so this I, I suppose uh, a, a more uh, I don't want to say nuanced But an answer to take that That takes that into consideration is 
to to for everyone to be involved in dawah they need to know where and what to focus on as individuals so somebody who has cultural capital amongst a certain you know a group of people yeah, absolutely. social yeah. capital absolutely. they should use that yeah, absolutely. someone you know for example someone who's white you know full stop yeah, for right? sure i He's, mean he or she is going to be a much probably a much more effective dai to white people look like for someone who's yeah. asian they will be able to pick up on those cues and that but natural but focusing back on the psychology two hadiths which i think mm. are very important from a psychological perspective one hadith is as you know in the arba'in of anawawi the right. 13th hadith you won't truly believe unless you love for your akhihi your brother what right. you love for yourself we know this means muslim brotherhood but and now we actually said in his mm. explanation this means insania it means humanity from the point mm. of you want good for them you want islam for them yeah, yeah. so really technically sharing islam yeah. is sharing that love of, for allah and his Shade. messenger to other people yeah. another hadith that people don't even know about right i get accused of oh it's wrong hadith hamza <laughs> it's a sahih hadith uh, greatest sahih by albani and it's as narrated by bukhari in tarikh al kabir the person said love for linnas love for the people, people. humanity what you love for yourself mm-hmm. so the thing is what do you love the most from a credo point of view you must love allah and his messenger the most sallallahu alaihi wasallam so in essence sharing islam is sharing that love now it doesn't mean you're going to be a hippie right because sometimes i truly believe repelling by that which is better is not always being soft and kind sometimes you have to be positively assertive right yeah. you know these the context to these things but the the point is this we must start with the foundational ethic which is Layyina, right? I'm just quoting the Quran yeah. in terms of Musa alayhi salam. Allah tells him to go to Fir'aun, the worst creation, speak softly and kindly to him. As Imam Al-Qurtubi said in his tafsir of this, is in his explanation, he was basically saying, if Musa alayhi salam was told to speak softly and kindly to Fir'aun, then imagine how we must speak to everybody else. Mm. Now this doesn't mean you have to do that all the time there are contexts there are moral variables but yeah. I like to say to the brothers and the sisters who give dawah at least the first time this should be your foundation mm. yeah. but we don't do that sometimes our first foundation is well, I'm going to debate him I'm going to rip him apart all that stuff right and then, but the, to to say you that know? you love you'd love Islam for everyone for all of mankind that's yes. that's kind of a given I'd suppose for every, any any muslim right but because especially they want to see Allah glorified more and more worship, by more and more people but does that translate into no, wait, everyone, wait, wait, wait. I would everyone even I, I might disagree with that in practice maybe not in mm-hmm. in someone's heart you know is is for many muslims not what I mean by many is not majority i'm saying there's a substantial amount of muslims mm-hmm. they see islam as an ethno religious identity not really as a state of being in the world right and and that's because mm. of our education yeah. how many muslim kids and how many muslims know why allah is worthy of worship which is the 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 reason the quran came down mm. and you know i was doing this parenting not workshop but this lecture in a masjid the other day and it was a learning experience for me not to, it doesn't mean that i'm mm. a good parent it was i was trying to bring everyone you know on this path of learning how to be as best parent as we can best parents as we can be and one of the things i realized was is we teach our kids you know the why generation they ask the question why we teach our kids you have to pray this is how you pray and this this is how many times you pray a day yep. khalas generally speaking yeah and it's within a psychological backdrop of this is your cultural identity i found that very Who problematic because yeah. if you're praying to allah you don't know why he deserves glorification in 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 a world where it's designed to corrupt your fitra then we're in trouble every parent must teach mm. their child why allah is worthy of gratitude utmost gratitude extensive praise at least 
This is a given. This, this, okay, I mean, I, this is the, the, the one of the hardest things. Anyway, this is this is our challenge. To this, it comes under ikhlas. Why are you worshiping Allah so I can be identified as a Muslim? Oh, Why do sure. you have that yeah, beige? Course, Why do you have that hijab? Hopefully, not the same I, person. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think as uh, you know, so if somebody's if somebody's wearing a beard, so they're identified as a Muslim, that's highly problematic. I, I think I think the reason yeah. I'm mentioning this is look, do a Google search, YouTube mm. search, type in why God is worthy of worship, why Allah is worthy of worship. Tell me what comes up. Basically, you know, it's not part of our narrative as a Muslim community. Unfortunately, we get stuck. We we need to have other narratives for sure. Yeah. But I think the way to start is to focus on this topic of, you know. Allah is the one mm-hmm. who, who deserves utmost think so. praise and Absolutely. gratitude and extensive glorification and all of these things. And we need to affirm his oneness, not in some kind of abstract academic way, <coughs> but mm. here, you know, we internalize it. That for me, I think is a little, is, 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 is getting much better, mm-hmm. but I think yeah. it's slightly missing in our discourse, in our narratives. But like, like going, example, going back to Omar's no, point, yeah, though, sure. um, is there not a bit of a jump from saying, okay, once you establish... Or, uh, among those who do want Islam for uh, the rest of humanity, is there not a jump between that and saying everyone does da'wah? Someone, someone might not have the skill set to, Look, you know, do. So if so, if you want someone to take da'wah very seriously, mm. it's a central part of their life, and you want someone to basically be one of the leaders in the da'wah. It can't be for everybody. Mm. Absolutely not. Like if you don't have the right emotional be, intelligence. It doesn't mean that you can't become eventually. So you need training and development. That's why we exist as IERA to help that and to facilitate that. But generally speaking, there's going to be a handful of people in the grand cosmic scheme of things that take that very seriously that it becomes a central part of their life. And you need certain skills. And I guess the idea has the idea is it has to be known or has to be organized in a way that if somebody knows someone, they'd like to give them dawa, that at least they can know where to go to to get resource to get maybe speak Absolutely. to someone. Remember that. Um, well, there is a base level. Like the yeah. Muslim community should have a basic understanding of what dawah means, and they could do it themselves to a certain degree. Yeah. If it requires a little bit more, then they could they could go to organizations to get materials, mm-hmm. publications, other du'at, training, lectures, resources. Absolutely. But to, so to really go to the next level in terms of national or international, yeah. we do need to. And it does need to be organized, doesn't it? I mean, I, I recall. No, I, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, look, not too like blow IRA's trumpet or anything mm. but we are formally across 20 countries yeah. now Ashana. we have around 40 outreach specialists du'at all around the world 10 in the Philippines we have nearly covered every country mm. in Latin America Ashana. America North America Mexico Central America Africa places in Africa so and our focus now is not this mm. kind of crazy campaigns and saying look what we're doing but rather it's it's, it's grounded in the individual Because we believe that our strategic focus should be Focusing on the individual Why? Yeah. Because who went to Yemen? Who Why went to Germany? Medina? Yeah. One person right? yeah, And cool. they were refined mm. Yeah, Sometimes we build <coughs> massive buildings And throw money at this that, and the other But you, we need to build the individual You know, Listen to this 80 years after the death of the Prophet oh, wasallam, 80 years Which was the greatest calamity of the Ummah we think is we have it bad. The greatest calamity was the death of our beloved Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Where were we? We were in Multan, and we were in Spain, spreading the peace mm-hmm. and justice and message of Islam. But it was eighty-two years after his death, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the Muslims decided to fix his masjid. It was still dripping of water. 
Do you see so, the point? So people yeah. were concerned about building people of substance, not not buildings of substance. So the point is, so we so focus because with the individual, with the mm. individual comes down materials. With the individual comes charity. With the individual comes uh, uh, managing and creating teams. With the individuals comes supporting Muslims. With the individuals comes all of these amazing things. So what we teach our du'at is have a health check mindset in your area. Mm. Even yep. if you're in the Philippines or in America, you say, right, what's healthy in the da'wah? Leave it alone. Make du'a for it. Support it. What's, what's unhealthy? Make it healthy. Yeah. What's missing? Fill the gap. Mm. So it's not about yeah. we're reinventing the wheel, right? So, <laughs> so what, what, it, it's it's more yeah. subtle, um, and I think with that, hopefully it's a, it's an expression and a manifestation of 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 of, of ikhlas, hopefully, and also, you know, asking our, ourselves the question: What does Allah want from us in this context? Which is a very critical question mm. to it ask. Is. It is. I was going to ask on this point actually, Hamza, bro, because I, I've seen, especially in the last few years, the last couple of years, uh, more intensely. People want to give da'wah without giving da'wah. So they will want to be involved in social activities, get involved, distributing water from Muslim charities, nothing to take away from the charities. They want to do everything but say those words, worship Allah alone. Yes. And I've had this with a number of, um, mashallah, Muslim, practicing Muslim, educated Muslims, They'll say, look, man, if you're just good to people and you build all these relations and all of these other things, then, um, you know, you'll give them Islam, you'll give them da'wah. Yeah. And then I always think, well, no one was more noble than the Prophet ﷺ. No one was more generous than him. No one um, was kinder than him. No one had better relations than him in that sense. All of these things, and still he was expelled from his land. So to have this mentality, well, it's just as long as you're a good person, you're giving da'wah through your actions. But I don't. I mean, from your point of view, I as mean, a guy, what's your take on it? By the way, not not to think that I lied. Um, over twenty countries, you know, I I, I get was was when I say wrong numbers. Yeah, I get yeah. leadership anxiety. As Asif, I always ask him, "Is this alright? Is this haram? You know, can I say this?" Because when you put in a in a How situation of leadership, you get yeah. really worried about you know the technicalities of what you say. Mm. So anyway, so I'm to correct that. Three countries. <laughs> it's over twenty. It's over twenty. How many have you I conquered? <laughs> so be shots fired. Yeah. So basically, to answer your question. Look, there's there's a lot of there's there's, there's a psychological dynamic to this. Some yeah. people just want to survive, bro. But I want to tell the Muslims, look, cockroaches survive. Mm. We're not here to survive, yeah. right? We're here to do things pleasing to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, mm. right? So that doesn't mean we want to annihilate ourselves and and people around us. Obviously, we want to be compassionate and and you know and and and, and be part of our communities and and be beacons of light. But just the psychology of oh, this kind of you know. You know, just be quiet. Just be really nice, and they're gonna like us. At I the think, end of the isn't day, that changing? Isn't it that is changing. changing so, 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 so what's really powerful here is, or I always say to people, is this: doing good deeds is still part of the down the grand cosmic strategic scheme of things because you're showing. Because if n negative imagery about Islam and Muslims exists, and it becomes an emotional intellectual barrier for people to understand Islam, then doing good deeds does something. So I don't want to reduce it to all, oh, you know, doing da'wah. I think that's a maybe an obnoxious way of looking at the da'wah, right? Yep. However, <clears throat> let's go back to the ayah. Who is better in speech? The one who calls to Allah, does the righteous deeds and says, I'm one of the Muslims. So you, if you want to have a holistic da'wah, you need to be doing everything. So you can't always be feeding the homeless every week and you haven't given da'wah for the past two years. I mean, you need to rethink your strategy. You need to rethink yeah. your connection with the deen, right? Yeah. In the, from that perspective. So... 
it's good. We should still do great deeds, good deeds, because that's who we are as Muslims. But we need to be a little bit more focused on understanding dawah is holistic. Yep. Call to your Rabb. Because yep. at the end of the day, look, you could you could you could feed human beings, but we need to feed souls, right? Um, we need to we could save lives, but we need to fa- save souls, and we need to yeah. have an akhirah mindset. Sometimes we secularize our discourse, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, and that is a big problem. And that's because I think sometimes in living in a materialistic society, we're like we're not thinking about the akhirah. At the end of the day, I would rather someone become Muslim. And him to starve to death. I know that sounds like a really nasty <coughs> thing to say, yeah. but let's be honest. What's our moral paradigm? Shirk is the up. worst evil. Yeah. Worst evil, right? That's the worst evil. And you've closed the door to Allah's mercy, and you're throwing yourself into the hellfire, right? Yeah, we don't want that for people to happen. Now, obviously, as the ulama say, focus on both the humanitarian and the calling yeah. Islam. So don't misquote me from saying I'd rather someone. Yeah, you get my yeah, point. It's, it's, no, it's no, a form it's a of mobile. Sometimes, it's a form of hyperbody just to make the po- just to bring the yeah. point home, right? So it's you know sometimes you know. the 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 lack of physical security or or your needs being met, your basic needs being met, yes. that could be a barrier to the Tao flourishing. So. Agreed. No, of course. So to be look, even Mm. we have that strategy as well. So when we go to the developing world, we're in conversation with humanitarian agencies because that's not our strategic focus. It's not in line with Mm. the charitable objects. We're doing the call. So what we're saying is these humanitarian agencies can connect with us. We could show them partners on the ground, and we could have like a memorandum on this memorandum of understanding. So we basically show that Islam. Wants to feed you as well Irrespective if you're Muslim or not Like when we went to the Philippines We fed Mm -hmm. everybody Or we gave them a food pack Irrespective of people Whether they became Muslim or not Because that's not Islam is not like that right Yeah It's it's for all from that point of view So um, You're right There there is a connection There is Mm -hmm. a connection But the reason I mentioned that example As a hyperbole Is to raise the the point That where is our priorities Even as a community If someone does zina Yeah Mm -hmm. Oh my god he's so evil if someone worships other than Allah, eh, you know, it's just another thing, isn't it? <laughs> it's another philosophy. Yeah. That if that happens in your heart, then we've already yeah. lost it. In my, I mean, opinion. I might so disagree with be, what you said though, about the, you know, a person, for example, not giving dawah. Um, it seems that if 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 we're organizing the dawah, then a person who's involved in feeding the homeless or whatever, yep, yep. what's there to say that he or she can't continue doing that? But it, and not give dawah themselves, but at least facilitate dawah happening. Oh, I agree. So by, there's two by cre- people with that expertise. Because the question was, if people yeah. see that as solely dawah, that was the yeah. point. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So if they see it as dawah, then that's a problem. Yeah. Solely as dawah, that's a problem. But if they continue to do it and they see it as part of the dawah, mm. of course, yeah. it must happen. As I mentioned before, it will remove the emotional, intellectual barriers that prevent yeah. from the call from happening. So yeah. it has to. I totally mm. agree. So you, you know, and and we need to be very careful. Just because you're in a dawah organization and giving dawah, sometimes you can have this subtle kibr, and this is destructive. And may Allah protect mm. us, mm. because you know they could be have. So much ikhlas in the deed that they're doing of feeding the homeless, and they go straight to Jannah, and that could have so much barakah. What's barakah? Mm-hmm. One plus one is equal to infinity, right? Yeah. But you giving dawah for your ego, you get no reward, you get sent to hell, and at the end of the day, your dawah has no barakah. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very careful how we see others as well from that point of view. Uh, you know, the, yeah. the general point is, and we're teach, trying to teach this in our courses, that always think that you're the worst Muslim. Because if you think the person you're speaking to is always going to is going to go paradise before you, then your dynamic with him changes, right? Absolutely. Mm. And speak to them as if you're speaking to your mother. So anyway, the point here is, well, uh, if, if as you should speak to your mother, yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Habibi, the point I'm trying yeah. to say is, 
that action itself is fantastic and mm. it it's part of the DAO, but it's not the DAO, and that was the point. Yeah, so I guess this is another point actually, because when I was at university, we experienced this a lot, and somebody has written an article on Islam 21 C called the ISOC Delusion, which talks about ISOCs and they do lots of activities, and now we've seen it with other organizations where they're doing lots and lots of activities, they're doing things, and they say it's for the DAO. But in none of these activities is anyone calling to Allah. Sure. So, slightly different take now. What's the mm. worst thing you've seen in, in the name of Dawah? <laughs> the worst thing? I was saying you've done. <laughs> yeah. no, you. What's, what's when you, you've just not made the connection and someone goes, bro, think of the Dawah. I don't know why I put a northern accent there. Maybe it's because uh, these guys are up north. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, oh, one thing that really, really, it was in Ramadan. I was speaking to some brothers and it was during an iftar. Mm. And it's not wasn't the time to have an argument, but basically, and I wasn't in the right spiritual or emotional state at that time in any shape or form. But I remember they were basically being extremely apologetic about something. Um, it was about a social political thing, and not even caring about the Muslims or anything like that, right? And they, and they was like, you know, this is what we got to do, kind of thing, and mm-hmm. be overtly kind of apologetic from that perspective. And I was quite upset. I was like, well. I just didn't know how to really react to it. And then it ended up being a bit of a, we had a bit of yeah. a friction. Uh, that for me was an apologetic mindset. And I, I find I find that that's not going to give you any baraka. That was um, super generalized. I don't think that was the, 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 the only reason. You I have to yeah. I do, I want to be careful <laughs> just to hide the, 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 what were their names? Let's start off with them. <laughs> well, it was George. Yeah, right? George. Yeah. <laughs> no, anyway, um, to be honest, bro, I can't really think. So, what was it like about? I can't really think. Extremism, that kind of stuff. Prevent. Yeah, I mean, what they said was right. It wasn't about prevent. It, I don't think prevent existed at that time. Mm. It was about, I think it was something with nine eleven and stuff like that, which Muslims obviously are, we are totally agree with. But peaceful. The well, way you agree with nine eleven? No, 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 no. We agree with <laughs> that. We disagree yeah. with. Okay. Yeah. You trying to put words in my mouth? <laughs> We condemn all forms yeah. of terrorism, of course, right? Yeah. You know, we have a very robust anti-extremism you policy, by the, the way. condemn the terrorism. Absolutely. So, uh, now you've You believe in love and peace. Yes, of course. We love condemn love and peace. Love so, and peace. anyway, uh, yeah. where am I? We so, is that the worst thing about uh, the, the worst thing? Yeah, so, anyway, that is a bad, that's a bad example. They're, no, they weren't apologizing the point of view that they're saying this is wrong. It's the response to my question that I was saying, what about other things that are happening? Sometimes we have selective outrage, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, which I think Absolutely. is very, very problematic because of the social media. We have selective outrage and we don't know how to respond to things. And the way we do respond sometimes is just to protect ourselves, but not to basically portray, you know, an ethic. Because, you know, Islam's an ethical tradition. We have so much yeah. to share with humanity. And it if goes you back to the, yeah. the whole don't answer every question as it's put. Yeah. Because you have to be uh, cognizant of the narratives, the underlying narratives that you might be um, reinforcing it's best to or keep silent. Like I'm not. Yeah. I look. I, let me be honest with you. In the past few years, I'm not really connected with, polit- with politics or different kind of ideological mm. trends. So if you look at my social media or my <coughs> writings, I don't really talk about these things. Yeah. Good. Now, if it's political philosophy, like you know, if you want to understand about the kind of ontology of liberalism and how it sees the individual mm. as an abstract entity divorced from social attachments, I could get into that. But modern manifestations and all these kind of things, I don't really comment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, oh, Hamza, you've gone soft. No, I just, I just 
gone dumb. I just don't. Right. Even, I just even don't, in things that you do talk about, things, even yeah. in things that you do talk about, such as you know, like a, a question that some of my aunts ask. Yes, and you can you can detect a hint uh, of that it's a symptom of a deeper problem. Yes, and you have to be careful how you go about answering. That. Absolutely. Like um, for example, some sometimes you just a simple question, right? Um, is my wudu invalid if I do this? Someone a lot of people often ask here yeah, after Juma or whatever. Uh, I remember our Sheikh he was saying you have to be careful how you answer these questions because one the theory is one thing, right? Um, you know if you if, if your water water doesn't touch your elbow then technically the wudu's you know whatever is not valid. But if somebody's asking you that question. It could be that that person suffers from wiswas. Yeah, absolutely. You can make it worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah they could suffer. Yeah, yeah. They have some uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. So giving him them the technical right answer would ruin his life. Well, this uh, wisdom could even make them suicidal. Wisdom, wisdom is right. applied knowledge, isn't it? So yeah. It's how so do you apply it in that particular context? And sometimes it's remaining silent or taking like one the, um, step back to take two steps forward. Yeah, and you know the saying, isn't it? Um, knowledge is knowing what to say. Wisdom is knowing. When to say it And akhlaq or adab Is knowing how to say it Yeah so knowledge yeah. is Knowing that tomato Is a fruit But wisdom <laughs> is not Putting in a fruit <laughs> salad <laughs> That's very good The thing is Look another thing I think is very important Is Our narratives Collectively as a Muslim community Now mm. Because I'm engaged In the dawah And I see that The dawah could be da'wah. Yeah The, the, the dawah could be Very positive <laughs> And you know, we always talk about credo issues, wildlife, worthy of worship. We like we mm. try to make it God centric. It changes your narrative. So, you know, I've had criticisms of Muslims and you know different media outlets and stuff because I felt that some of the narratives was very disempowering, and I felt it wasn't in line with our tradition. Yeah, mm-hmm. like for example, I'm not saying there's no Islam. Cut that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically, look, some things can be very negative. We, we, you know, everything's about Islamophobia, right? Mm-hmm. Which don't get me wrong. Yes, people hate Muslims and expressions yeah, yeah, of yeah. Islam and all of these things, and they hate Islam for sure. But how do we react? Sometimes we create this. We, we've adopted the pathology of victimhood, right? Yeah. This is even discussed in 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 political discourse. Yeah, you could be victimized for sure. Muslims are victimized all around the world. Look what's happening in China. Mm-hmm. And I'm so surprised that governments are silent on the kind of... Mm. It's like Nazi Germany. That's what's happening in China. It's ridiculous, right? Mm. So people, Muslims are being victimized. But there's a difference between being victimized and adopting the pathology of victimhood. Mm. Because victimhood means there's something wrong with your creed or something wrong with your understanding of your metaphysics, the lenses you have that you put on your face and your eyes to understand the world and reality. And it disempowers us. Yeah, so what I this is my humble view. When you look into our tradition, it is so powerful. Yeah, when the Prophet saw his worst day, he was asked by his daughter about his worst day. He brushed it off like it was nothing, mm. like because he was connected to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. We always say la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. There is no true power apart from the power of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. What does this mean mm. in reality? It means everything in the universe, everything in the universe is is a manifestation. A manifestation of Allah's qudra, his power, and his irada, and his will. And they don't have intrinsic power, Allah has. So connect to the source, connect to Allah. But we're busy thinking, oh, you know, the Zionists and the Islamophobes. Yes, fine, they, they, they exist. But you're giving them intrinsic... Bukhijis. You're giving... <laughs> oh my God. You're giving them... 
You're giving. You know what? How dare you when I'm in a flow? Yeah, a passion of flow. That's why we're here, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Basically, yeah. Habibi. Yeah. You know, we give these things intrinsic power, and I believe yeah. that we need to be far more powerful in the way we express ourselves, especially when it comes to these type of narratives. Because look. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the Lord of everything that exists. Kun fayakun, right? He's so powerful. This is our Rabb. So, you know, we should not act as if our Rabb is, na'udhu billah, some kind of mouse or something. Yeah. Yeah? And that's how we act sometimes. Yeah. Oh, but there's all these obstacles. And yeah, but if you, say with a funny voice, if you say it with a funny voice, it's going to sound funny, isn't it? Yeah. But Habibi, listen. <laughs> kind of, uh, yeah, but listen no, to this. Yeah. I want to listen to this. It's very important, yeah? yeah. It, I would believe it's important, yeah? But the thing is, you know, we always then therefore blame. Because when you have a victimhood mindset, you're pointing the mm-hmm. finger all the time. Yes, there is blame for people victimizing you. Like they make you victims. They're, they're harming you and oppressing you. But to blame them in a grand cosmic scheme of things is not Islamic, right? Because look, yeah. what's more empowering? But you have a binary view of power. They've taken power from me. They've, they've oppressed me. So they have now all the power to shape a destiny. That's not an Islamic narrative, right? We have a different kind of approach. Really, Allah is telling us it's within as well. For example, Allah says in the Quran, all you believers, turn back to Allah, jami'an, collectively, in order for you to be successful. So there should be some form of collective repentance or turning back. Mm-hmm. Number two, Allah says in the Quran, indeed, Allah doesn't change the situation of a people until they change what's within themselves. So that's a good state. If you're in a good state, it will not t- change into a bad state unless you start sinning and, and doing all these things. And you can mirror the meaning of the ayah as well. Yeah. For example, we have in the Quran the general kind of idea that, you know, by what their hands have earned, there'll be fasad, there'll be corruption of the land and the sea. What about the hadith in Tirmidhi? That's a sahih hadith that talks about if a good man comes to your daughter that has good morals and you reject him for no good reason, I'm paraphrasing of course, yeah. there'll be corruption on, 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 on the earth. Yeah. And it could be therefore a Desi Gujarati uncle, for example, you mentioned it, not me, <laughs> saying no to the black brother that became Muslim yeah. and he's shown his piety for a decade and he's gone to the uncle and he said, I want your daughter's hand. And he says no only because of his color, then maybe that is creating the corruption on the land. People don't yeah. like to, see, to hear these things because it's easier to point the finger. I'm a true believer. Allah has empowered his ummah by saying, you, the solution is within you. When the Sahaba, when they lost the battle of Uhud, how did they respond? They didn't start blaming everyone in the whole world. Oh, it was the Zionists. So the thing is, I want to know where the, where the Islamophobes are when you couldn't wake up for Fajr. Oh, it was the Islamophobes. They told me from praying Fajr. Or they I want to know. Hollywood, and I was watching that film really late last night. So night. I, I want to know, you know. Isn't that a false dichotomy, though? Because you can. Spiritually, you can, no. Why? You can uh, attack Islamophobia and you can also wake up for Fajr. You're putting words in my mouth. I never said you can't attack it. Of course, you must yeah. attack Islamophobia, for sure. But I'm trying to say everything is connected. It becomes a prism through which you yes, see things. If you're and just if you see it so this that. way, then you know that you could be the weakest link. Yeah. And you know that they don't have any intrinsic power. And if things don't go well, then there's something Allow within. Let's, let's, let's turn back. So therefore, yeah. I like saying... The problem saying, is not yeah. internalizing a, a, an inferior uh, a narrative of inferiority. Right, of, of what you call victimhood. Absolutely, right? but that unfortunately happens because of certain narratives. It's natural to it's natural to happen. It is if very somebody, natural for sure. For I mean, sure, even the Sahaba, sure. they 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 some of them are afflicted by this, and the Prophet yeah, was quite sure. stern. Yeah, in yeah, but that's why Khabab bin yeah. Arat and he came to the Prophet. He was yeah. being, you know, he was an ironsmith. His his master yeah. would mistress, uh, lady master, whatever this. He was a slave. They, she would burn his back. back. 
you know, with with molten iron and, and torture him. But and he came to the Prophet saying, "What? When will the you know paraphrasing? Absolutely. Will you make du'a for us?" That that's the, the Prophet Sallam, He responded by becoming a bit yes. uh, assertive or angry. No, no. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But right. that's the victim, right? Yeah. So, so us, us who are in the dawah, yeah. pushing forward these narratives, who are not in the grand scheme of things victimized, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you live in East London, man. That's practically, you know, Bangladesh South or Pakistan. London, South London, South London, London that's London, practically uh, Mars. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is... South glad you didn't say Venus, you know, for, for people <laughs> who are involved in the public discourse, we're not generally speaking in the grand cosmic thing scheme of things victimized like someone in China, for example. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think we're a bit so we shouldn't react that way. We should react the way the Prophet mm-hmm. did, which was empowering and assertive. Remember who your Lord is, right? Remember that we have the solution within. We can't. We're not blaming them mm. intrinsically. Yes, we take them to account. We command the good, forbid the evil. So hopefully, mm. the listeners will make would understand. We need a, what I would call, and sometimes I don't like using this word, but a holistic understanding of the way we see calamities and the way we see things. And I'm telling you, if you just these few ayat and hadith that we were speaking about, and even knowing who Allah is, it cha- drastically changes everything. You go out in the world empowered. Look, the Sahaba were the equivalent of a village in Oldham. And after one book, 13 years, they took over the whole of Europe. <laughs> That's uh, what it is, yeah. really. And Asia. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, we're not saying we're going conqu- to we have this kind of military conquest in our mind. Yeah. I'm saying it, historically speaking, we want to spread the peace and justice of Islam to people. So, what are the, yeah, uh, so some of the other narratives that you believe are kind of da- damaging to Dawah? In the well, the space. two things that we spoke about today was, you know, just focusing on abstract rational arguments and really understanding yeah. what the human being is as Allah created the human being, not as mm. we think the human being is. He's not just an abstract functional robot. He's a roh, he's a qalb, he's an aql, he's a fitra, and all of these things. And we have to awaken the fitra, and there's different means to yeah. uncloud the fitra to awaken the truth, truth within. The other thing that I think is a little bit disempowering is a kind of not the victim uh, saying that there are victims, but adopting a victimhood mindset. And yeah. that can happen, it can seep through sometimes. And we need empowering, we need to help each other all the time. And this doesn't mean don't fight against Islamophobia, it doesn't mean don't command the good, forbid the evil. It means do these things, but understand X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. that we have control, that we need to turn back to Allah, that we need to also fix up, that we need to collectively fix up to a certain degree, that we also need to continue to command the good, forbid the evil, which is one of the things that's going to mm-hmm. help us it's as well. Right, yeah. And we need to understand that this is all part of Allah's plan. Right, yeah. and you know, and Allah has true power. You know, these things don't have intrinsic power, and they're just things that they're just empty tools that Allah uses to manifest His qudra and His irada, His power and His will. Yeah. And therefore, we should connect straight to the source and not be too worried about those things. They're gonna yeah. have their day, bro. You yeah. think they're gonna exist forever? I mean, Subhanallah, everyone's gonna die. You yeah. know, everyone's gonna face Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. You think these people are gonna exist forever? No, of course they're not. You know, so yeah. at the end of the day, in the grand cosmic scheme of things, just. Uh, it's all going to be ironed out on the day of judgment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the director's cut. <laughs> yeah. No problem. You know, I remember when we were at university, actually, subhanAllah, we'd have um, people coming to give different talks. And I remember one sister came in to give a talk about hijab, and there was a massive hoo-ha. And, and I thought at that time, and I said to the Islamic society, I said, look, you know, the problem is, if you're trying to, quote-unquote, sell Islam, mm. you're not going to do it through these signs like the symbols like growing the beard or wearing the hijab if people don't understand fundamentally their relationship with Allah yeah once mm, you understand absolutely. that 
it puts everything else in place. When I became a Muslim, I think I, uh, I think about the question that I didn't answer properly. I can mm-hmm. answer it now. I read an article, I think, from a doctor. He was explaining why salah was good for your tricep muscles and stuff, or something <laughs> like that. And I was like, man, nice. this is ridiculous. <laughs> 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 So you're right, you're right. There's nothing wrong with talking about the wisdoms of, of the ahkam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the rulings of, the, of Allah. Yeah. It's good to talk about wisdoms. Mm-hmm. And there are many wisdoms that we could infer. But they're just inferences. Mm-hmm. Allah has the picture. We just have the pixel, bro. If uh, we have uh, that. We have a pixelated yeah. understanding of reality, right? So Allah is al-hakim, al-alim. He's the knowing, he's the wise. We're not, obviously. So we won't truly know what the wisdoms are unless Allah has explicitly told us. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean we have to shut the door from investigating. But when we do talk about things in the Tao about hijab, or even the beard, or even salah, we should try and bring it back and make it God-centric. Because what's the main message here? The main message is we want humanity to connect to their Lord. Allah Allah knows them better than they they know themselves. Allah has more affection for them than they have for themselves. Allah says in the Quran, He prefers belief for His servants. When you look at the the tafsir of this ayah, Allah wants people to be guided, Mm. right? He wants people to be guided. It's like we choose not to be guided, right? We choose to close the door to Allah's mercy and guidance. Yeah. So our job is just to make people realize that in a very humble way, in, in the you, best way possible. Have you noticed a change in the reception of people generally um, since you changed the kind of, maybe a, you, the approach, what you're calling the more yeah, holistic? Yeah. Look, don't get me wrong. De- debates are still good, right? Mm-hmm. But they're just part of a... Yeah, and yeah. Uh, strategy, yeah, because they they are needed. Sometimes you have to debate Islamophobes or debate intellectuals who think they know something and they could try and refute Islam. And we should say, actually, let me yeah. let me just put you in your place here. Let me correct Good you, point. kind of thing. But so, do you think uh, but, but, anyone but, has ever changed their opinion in the debate? Though? No, but debates are not for that. For debates are for the audience, and that's yeah. why you have to have a proper strategy. If you think yeah. you're going to like convince someone in a debate, well, really, some of our debates are useless and insincere. Mm. And there's a hadith in Abu Dawood where the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, I, "I guarantee a house or a palace in Jannah for the one who gives up insincere, yeah. useless argumentation mm. and debates, even if they are in the." In the right, right. Mm. in if they're right. Mm. So um, it's not for that. It's it's part of a greater strategy. But so because it's it popular, been? people like to emulate it a lot. Yeah. You see. How long has it been since you changed this, or was it a slow kind of change? Well, in the yeah, everything is gra- everything is gradualistic. I think yeah. you learn from your mistakes. You know, Allah, you know, mistakes sometimes can be the greatest thing. You know, Allah gives you tarbiyah. He's your sure. best teacher. You know, so would you life. regard it because life it? life is experience, and you learn from those experiences. Of course, or you should learn those from experiences. Mm-hmm. And I remember one sheikh said to me when I was going through like difficult periods, he was like, "On the day of judgment, you're gonna wish this happened to you many, many times," kind <laughs> of thing, because this was Allah's way. And when I connect the dots, I'm like, Subhanallah, Allah was taking me on this journey, right? He's, uh-huh. he's, he's helping me He's purifying me Because i got to admit When I first started the Tao It wasn't just about Allah mm. It's about me It's about ego It's about proving people right I always want to be right I never want to be wrong I want to impose I never want to be imposed upon I want to look good I never want to look bad That's the nafs isn't it That's shaitan Because yeah. Allah tells shaitan To bow down to Adam How does he respond <laughs> He's basically saying What do you know I'm right you're wrong yeah. I'm not going to be imposed upon He's from Luton I'm yeah. going to impose <laughs> I'm going to impose I want to look bit good I don't want to look bad Now you Would you regard it as a mistake Doing so many debates then? Or not at that time not, I mean Not, retros- not focusing on I think other stuff Retrospectively If I were to change the debates One thing that I would have done Is made some of the arguments More in line with our classical tradition mm. And make them more robust Not that they're wrong In an a- intellectual yeah. abstract sense But 
you know, if you give arguments that are not premised on the Quran and the Sunnah in some way, mm-hmm. it's going to contradict Islam in some way, generally speaking. So that's the first thing. The other yeah. thing is, I, w- I would focus more, especially towards the end of the debate, saying, look, why am I talking about Allah's rububiyyah, the fact that he, mm-hmm. you know, divine creativity and power? Yeah. I'm talking about this because he is worthy of love, obedience. Because what is ibadah? What's worship? Yeah. To know Allah. To love Allah, to obey Allah, which includes being humble before Allah, and to direct all acts of worship, internal acts of worship and external acts of worship to Allah alone. That I would have put into the debates. Uh, so if I do another debate in the future, inshallah, I'll, I'll put that in there. For Who sure. was your best opponent? <laughs> best opponent? I tell you the story, bro. Professor Ken James. May Allah guide this guy. Amen. Professor Amen. Ken James. I had a debate with him in Queen Mary University and it wasn't filmed. And I'm there arrogantly, not even have an academic background in philosophy at that time. When I'm was like, this? This was years ago. I'm doing deductive arguments. When you were still allowed in university. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm st- <laughs> hey, hey, we have yeah. a very good reputation yeah. now, yeah? We've got good policies, Extremist. we're robust, yeah? Bust. Um, uh, so, um, I was having a debate with him and what he did was is like, oh, I'll give you a deductive argument. We're having this, you know, to and throw and it was very kind of intellectual, abstract and it was pointless almost. After the debate, he sat me down. He was so nice to me. He was like, Hamza, look, you know, I'm not a neo-atheist. I, I don't even like neo-atheists. I think they're like, I don't mm. know if you use the word, but glib. They're not, yeah. you know. He's like, I'm an atheist because I've been taking care of my son for 18 years around that time because he's been disabled yeah and i don't have an answer honestly I've, i wanted to you know i feel like crying or I, I should cry no i feel like crying i should cry because i was so arrogant that i couldn't connect with him oh. in that way and you spent all I that time giving him i the didn't adopt the son of the person to be empathetic to to connect with him and find out what's really wrong and let me tell you something we had a really positive interaction and i learned so much from him i learned that people are not the same and then i went back to the quran yeah well, mm. someone taught me this And then I went back to the Quran Allah says people are not the same In Surah Al-Imran, verse 113 Allah says even amongst the Jews and the Christians are upright people mm. You know, we don't have an otherization, if yep. you like Yes, we have categories, we have groups Munafiqeen, Kufar, this, that, the other, yes But within that, you know, there are grades, isn't it? And no. people are not the same Everyone is different And the person would praise non-Muslims in terms of their virtues So I would start to see the world in a more nuanced Quranic approach And I was like Oh my God! Right, so he's not a crazy new. So atheist. how would you? How would you? Have, it's, it's knowing this, how would you? It's a beautiful story. Yeah. So for me to go in to do a postgrad, I had to get, I, I had to get basically. Um, it was his exception. He had to basically um, <laughs> after many years, and because we had a positive interaction at mm-hmm. the end, he oh. let me in. So when I finished the MA, I sent him an email basically saying thank you. Yeah, it was the MA, and I said thank you. And he said let's have dinner. He was saying I want to know your story. So I go and meet him to have dinner at lunch. We walk, we have lunch. And he says, no, let's share plates. And he was cutting food in half. We're sharing plates together. Sunnah style. Yeah, I was like so touched. And he was talking, he's a Nietzschean philosopher. He's one of the greatest experts in in, in Nietzschean philosophy, even though he hasn't written a book. To become a professor, Mm. generally speaking, in the UK, you have to write a book, but he didn't write one at that time. But he's well respected. So he's talking about Nietzsche, he's talking about all these things. And I said, you know, Nietzsche talked about the Prophet He never knew that. And I gave him the reference. I think he called him a successful Plato. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so and so I sent him the reference after. But anyway, during during that discussion, one of the first times I could really express to him in a natural way, from what I remember, why Allah is worthy of worship. Mm. Do you see the yeah. point? 
And that was a normal, nice, warm discussion with a very senior academic. So had you had the ability to go back in time to that debate, yeah. what would you have changed about the, your, the way you'd, you'd acted in the, in the debate? Well, I would have probably spent more time understanding who he is. And I would have spent time in understanding what, why he's decided to become an atheist. So lo- and I understand mean, uh, uh, what, what part of his fitra was clouded and try to zoom mm. in on those issues. And yeah. if I knew it was the problem of evil, we have an amazing tradition. We have an amazing kind of theodicy. We have an amazing tradition mm. on how to deal with this answer yeah. by still making people, Allah, making people realize Allah is merciful and powerful. But to understand Allah, his mm. power and mercy is not abstracted. You see all of Allah's names and attributes via their oneness. So you talk about his wisdom. You talk about the spiritual solutions to this. You talk about how it's really a straw man as well, right? Mm, yeah. But you don't want to focus on it too much. We want to subtly hint that. But for him, he probably needed... You know, hope. Well, like people need hope, bro. Especially in this society, yeah. Some people people just need, need a hope. hug. And whoever closes the door to divine mercy and hope, that person's by definition is a shaitan. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see? So, as yeah. Muslims, we need to give. You know, our, our brothers and sisters in humanity, we need to give them hope. Mm. We need to show them who the Rabb is. And we need to basically have intellectual and emotional intelligence, but by sometimes closing our mouths, man. You know, if we said to someone, I don't know, it, they could be guided through our humility. How many mm. people have you seen saying, I don't know? True. I don't know. Just because you're in the Dawah and you're behind a Dawah store, all of a sudden you think you should be a philosopher, a quantum physicist, uh, 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 this, that, and the other. We just need to like turn down the arrogant lobby thing a bit mm. from that point of view. <laughs> Who are you referring to? Uh, my, myself, actually. <laughs> the knob, the knob is a. The arrogant knob. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it that way. <laughs> Basically, I'm talking about myself. No, of course. Because I like to use my own personal experiences because I've been on a journey as well. You know, you know. Oh my God, yeah. Don't start on me, yeah, because I could be here all day. I might end up crying as well. So, um, I'll make a nice trailer. Yeah. So we need to we we need to become intellectual, and it's getting better. There's some great brothers and sisters out there doing great work. Even the unsung heroes, those are not on social media. Like, for example, Sister Nancy in Paraguay that we've hired, right? She's connected to the government, right? She wears a hijab. They had to change the law for her to wear a hijab. She's dealing with the indigenous communities, bro. And she's basically connecting mm. them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What about Brother Abu Bakr in the Philippines who runs a masjid that was just built by the Saudis and they just left him alone? Then he made it into a lighthouse to help the non-Muslims and everybody in the sea. And he put a radio station and lots of people became Muslim. And then the Catholics, well, I think it was the Catholics, they went, they sent two mercenaries to kill him, right? Mercenaries? Yeah, they went to kill him. What did he do? No, mercenaries. And they went to kill him. What did they do? They became Muslim because of his akhlaq and adab. <laughs> really? Well, yeah, so we have amazing unsung heroes. We need like to get him on the podcast. Thousands of shahadas. Yeah. So, you know, you and, and when I've realized that the du'at exists like this around the world and Ayra mm. support them and the ummah support them, you get humbled. You have no choice but to get humbled. I remember our, mm. our, our Salman Sugimoto from Japan. He basically translated the Quran. He was a co-author, co-translator wow. for the Quran mm. in the kind of popular language the dis- difference is about three levels of Japanese language okay all right. and I don't think there was a Quran in the kind of popular language that the mm. popular level so you know we help facilitate that so when he came and I picked him up from the airport I hugged him and he started crying because I, became, I you become very paternalistic hug doing too hard I, no you become very paternalistic <laughs> over them isn't it because yeah. you're like these are the ones who basically are doing the true work it's easy to be yeah. on social media give a lecture and do some mm. le- and writing but they do yeah. the they do the grassroots 
hard work. Some of the guys that we know, I think, have been shot, yeah. right? You know, yeah. we have guys in Honduras, we have guys in Ecuador now, I believe. We have guys in um, Bolivia, you know, soon it's going to be... I want to cut out some of those countries. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, but... Com completely we have illegal a, uh, no, activities going on. <laughs> we have a very good due diligence process, yeah, extremism check, <laughs> sanctions list check. Some laundering. <laughs> all of that stuff. But the point I'm trying to say is, you know, these people are doing the great work and I was gonna uh, say actually it humbles you. I don't even know why we got yeah. here. How did we get here? You know, I'm just, I don't I'm remember. Just, I'm just curious. Remember. You're saying you got extremism checks. What's that all about? Yeah. Uh, basic as a charity in the UK, uh, it's a statutory requirement to have an anti-extremism policy. So basically, um, you develop one and then you basically, you're, you in our extreme anti-extremism policy, we have some guidelines and they have to sign and they get trained as well. Okay. So uh, I know it's, <laughs> it's it's just part of life. But you are an extremist. Uh, no, I'm no. extremely to some nice. People. I'm extremely nice. I'm extremely Ukrainian. <laughs> yeah, well, there's okay, there's. Okay, for that going banned, I think. <laughs> no, 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 like I'm, not, I'm not extremist at all. At all. Are you were mentioned as one by the. Yeah, but a lot of people call me a lot of things, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's only the government, wasn't it? <laughs> well, the, it, it 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 was the government. Money. government. I was on the same press release. So <laughs> <laughs> I dig at you, bro. It, it, they they argued that they didn't call us an extremist. Yeah. They said that maybe some things we said were a bit extreme. Let's go back to something more positive. But that was years ago, yeah. anyway. I don't say those things anymore. I'm a good boy. Let's, uh, to finish on something a bit more positive, I'm actually, mashallah, what you're saying about yeah, sure. the different uh, people who are carrying the flag or carrying, bearing the torch of yeah, absolutely. Alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed me to be able to travel to lots of different countries. I, I work in Islamic finance. I go to different places, etc. Alhamdulillah. And one thing I've noticed is in all of these places, in the most you know obscure places, you'll find someone... Doing something for Allah's sake in their own way. Yes, you know, and it, it sounds weird, but I remember I went into one village and there was an there's an old guy who had some field and he'd make sure that he'd always go and distribute food to the widows and orphans in Ramadan. He'd make sure he'd collect it and just he goes he goes I'm not a good person but we've got to do this. Or there was mm. um, an old a, a, a sister actually she ran an orphanage and she said that she opened it when she was young because her brother. Passed away and he left a child oh. And she took it upon herself And she goes I had no idea how to do it I'd go out and try and collect money And guys would try and grab my hand And I, I think what's going on Because I was young then She goes my legs have given way now I've got, My knees have gone But she set this orphanage To look after something oh. like 70 girls oh. You know and this for her SubhanAllah was that And when you look at them You wouldn't say that they're Overly practicing You know all these little markers That we have And on the other side SubhanAllah I, I was sat in Dubai In a five star hotel with somebody who works in Islamic finance and he said, I want to see Allah's law become supreme. That the justice in Allah's way of having financial transactions, why should we look to other companies? And he was ranting and raving about Kareem. You know Uber, there's a version called yes, Kareem. Yes, yes. Kareem got bought out by Uber. Oh, did he, they? Yeah, they got bought it's out fun. by Uber. And he goes, everyone's saying it's great. He goes, but where's our Muslim brands? Why do we not have global Muslim brands? And it just made me think across, and there's mm. so many other examples, and I'm sure everyone has them, that you'll find someone in their mm. own way doing something for Allah's sake, how they've understood the religion, and doing their own little bit. So there's amazing khair. When you spoke no, about there this, is a lot of amazing oh, khair. Absolutely. And like you, I've traveled quite a bit, and you see things, and you speak yeah. to people, you're like, subhanAllah. Mm. And it just puts everything into context and perspective. And you Absolutely. hear some amazing stories that you just can't write the script yourself. Yeah. And sometimes I say, who writes the script? Yeah. It's a rhetorical question. I know it's Allah's plan. You're like, mm. subhanAllah, how did this happen? You know, so, and Allah brings people together as well, you know, yeah. in ways that you would never imagine. Yeah. 
So, you know, it's all khair, bro. At the end of the day, life is very short in the grand so. scheme of things. We've got to do a little bit of work. But I think maybe as a final thing to say, especially in the context of dawah, ikhlas is the most important thing. You don't want to be someone mm-hmm. like me who looks back in your past and you like want to do tawbah for all the things that you think wasn't 100% pure for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, we have hope in Allah. Allah says if you did a mm-hmm. sin, He will turn it into good deeds as well. That's how merciful Allah mm-hmm. is. But you know, the last thing you want to do is end up having thousands of shahadas or you know, feeding so many people and all of this great stuff. But on the day of judgment, you're doing it for Allah's sake. What does Allah's sake really mm-hmm. mean? It means doing it because He's worthy of the action you love Him, because you don't want to, because you want His reward and you want to prevent yourself from the nard, from the fire. You could do it for any of these reasons, but it's better to do for all of those reasons. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, some of the dua don't even know what ikhlas is. And you know, alhamdulillah, you know, it's very important to be connected with the ulama and mashayikh to understand and to help us go. Mm-hmm. For that tarbiyah, you know, it's very important. And doing all of those things in a manner which is pleasing to him as oh, well. Oh, of course, absolutely. Yeah. Without which saying, a, without, you know, saying, without yeah, saying. Yeah, sometimes but you know, that. we need to help each other. You know, so we're absolutely. human, we all, uh, you know. And there's a really good article on a really good website to do with, like, you know, Allah's, uh, uh, what was it called? Why do we sin? Was it sin? Were you created to sin? Yeah, was that yours? Psalm 20 Was it you? It wasn't written by me, no. But yeah, it, was, it looked like a really good article. I think so, yeah. yeah. Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. They published a lot of articles, bro. <laughs> Basically, it's, 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 it's. Yeah, a few so days ago. Allah's mercy to manifest itself, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And we need to help each other. Yeah, they mentioned, um, that the reason why Allah created a sinful creation was so he could show his mercy. Yeah. And Allah says in the Quran, some people were created for his mm. mercy, right? So, um, I'll make yeah. us from amongst those. I mean, I mean, I mean. for the opportunity. Sorry for the waffles. Zakhla khair, bro. Waffles are tasty. Alhamdulillah. Where's the camera? Okay. Can I press one? Can I press one of those buttons? Yeah. Which one you want? I recommend this one. Hadouken. Nice. You only allow one of those. Okay. Don't get used to it. Okay. No problem. Zakhla khair, brothers and sisters and friends for watching. If you like the podcast, give a like and a share. If you didn't, then. You've internalized the victimhood complex <laughs> narrative. And you're probably a racist as well. So uh, like and share anyway. Uh, share with your racist friends. But Zakhlaher uh, Hamza. Zakhlaher Omar. This has been the Sound to See Unscripted Podcast. See you in the next one. Zakhlaher. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.